We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. More awesome things are happening with the show. And actually, right right up here up front, I want to talk about something that we never expected that's very cool that's happening now. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Happy Friday, by the way. Here's a very cool thing that you could be involved in right now that that one of our patrons brought to us. We've implemented it, and it's even cooler than I thought. Mm -hmm. Okay? For our patrons, and we have we have a page on Patreon. A lot of people do. We have a page on Patreon. We have some patrons there. We have various levels. And by the way, thank you all the, the patrons Big that are time. there. Thank you Big hugely. Time. Recently uh, revamped, so go check mm-hmm. out Patreon.com yes. and check out. We our have uh, three simple levels and some explanation yeah. of extra. It's act- been streamlined. Yes, I, I for sure. It's been a little bit clarified, and this is part of the clarification. Yes, but but here's the coolest thing that came out of it is that we now have an everyday driver based chat room. And Crazy. it is focused to just our patrons, which is our core, extra core audience. By the way, all of you guys listening, you are our core audience. The patrons Absolutely. is a separate level beyond yes. that, yes. and those folks have been very generous to us. But the cool thing is that I didn't expect – let me back up and explain why this relates to all of you listening. Many of you have written us over the years of this podcast. And I, by the way, I love these emails. You've written us and you said that Paul and I, we are your car friends. Okay, <laughs> We are. Absolutely. Which I love. I think that's great. And in some cases, you kind of bemoan the fact that you're like, you guys are my only car friends because you're in a situation where there's no other car people in your life. Yes. Yes. What's happened in just the first couple days of this Discord-based chat room uh, being being connected to patrons is that we've watched patrons have other car friends because they're patrons of the show. That All of you listening, it means you're kind of, to some degree, you have this car disease, and you're somewhat like-minded with Paul and I in your approach to it. Yeah, yeah. The patrons, it's the same thing. Or you disagree and now, completely, and we get you thinking differently. Maybe yeah, you disagree a, completely, I, I but, you, but you just decide you want to listen why we're wrong this week. <laughs> right. That's essentially what that happens to I'm tuning too. back in and to that's, see what, that, what the guys going to say again. That, I've seen that email, too, and thank yeah. you as well. But, yeah. but no, but here's the thing. The... These patrons now, I'm watching on this. I was actually on the chat room a little bit last night, and I realized at one point, I don't need to be here. <laughs> and, I, and, I mean, and I mean that in the best way possible because everybody was engaging and making friendships and connecting in their various parts of the country and the world, by the way, so because cool. the common thread was we all have this disease and we approach it kind of in approximately the same way. And we were watching. I was watching – People that want car friends make car friends across the miles through this chat room. It was very, very cool. It's available for every single patron now. If you are a patron and you're not on it, I promise you, you can get on it. If you'd like to be a patron to be a part of that madness, we'd love to have you there. What Todd is trying to say is that we have now democratized the disease for everybody, yes. and we found it yet another way to feed the addiction. So, if you would like to feed the news, addiction everyone. further, here is the next step. <laughs> this is the next yeah, level. and the first one's free. No, you, that's you terrible. You're looking yeah. for the next level. Here it is. No, we really appreciate, like I said, all of our patrons. Thank you so much. And check that out. The it's patron cool. page. It is, and I'm liking what I'm seeing on there as well. I'm, I'm liking that people are, are – I mean, they're sharing – more about their lives too than yeah. just cars even though that is the common thread mm-hmm. and you know hey I'm thinking about this and, and everybody can learn from everybody else which totally. is so cool and this is now the platform on which to do it yeah and it's, a, it's an unexpected great. thing that I, to be honest when it was brought to us and, I, and shout out to Matt when it was brought to us by one of our patrons said would you guys like to do this I, I, we kind of went we'll give it a shot and it has already kind of materialized better than I expected so I'm just yeah, so, I'm excited so cool. about it which is why I'm sharing it obviously no obligation and to those of you that have supported 
notice this way. It's phenomenal, and we're excited to interact even more that way. Also, while we're doing announcements, Season 4 is on Amazon Prime. And yes, Canada, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you, Canada. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We have no influence over the But you guys, if you're not in the U.S. or U.K., you can get it on Vimeo now as well. Many of you are responding and uh, and doing uh, ratings and reviews there. We appreciate it because it's playing very well, and that is entirely due to you guys. So thank you very much. Next item of business is the trip. Pilgrimage 2019 has Mm -hmm. been announced. We have announced at last podcast. Mm -hmm. This is the second podcast upon which we are inviting everybody the We're price really has been reduced. We're really going. Yes, we are. So the price has been reduced. Mm-hmm. Look on everydaydriver.com. Go to Adventures tab. Yep. And then right dead center, you can click on the pilgrimage trip. The price is posted. Frequently asked questions from years past. We've really sorted things. And then one of our patrons, Ted, mm-hmm. he's gone on a couple of different trips. And, and he's, he's got the breakdown. He's going this year, too. He's already he's, signed he's, up. He's already signed up. We, you, we have multiple signups already. Thank you to all of yes. you that have signed up. We have others of you that are circling the trip and are saying you're interested. And please keep sending us questions. If, if, if they're not yeah, answered absolutely. somehow by your FAQ, send us an email. There's a lot of info on the there website. Is. Dig into that first. Thank you for suggest. the registrations that we've already yeah. had and those of you that are considering because there's some, there's still spaces left. They will go, but there's still spaces yes. left. Yes, I'm just thrilled. By the way, the trip, if you're not aware yet, it is to the ring and to Spa Francochamps in Belgium. So mm-hmm. that is 90 miles to the west of the ring. And it is a full day on the Nordschleife. And a full day on spa. Yes. And then a road tour in between. Mm-hmm. And we've got a juicy list of cars. We've uh-huh. got, yeah, there, there's a lot. And it's all inclusive, too. Once you arrive in Frankfurt, you're ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything's Transportation, covered. Transportation, food, covered. Yep. hotels, cars, instructors, mm-hmm. everything. Except for the T-shirts. Helmets, gas. A massive yeah. pile unless of T-shirts. You, unless you buy a buy. pile of T-shirts and a really expensive jacket. I can't, I can't help you <laughs> there. going we to happen. We can't help you there. And the stickers for your car. I mean, we yeah. know where to get them, and mm-hmm. you will buy stickers for your car. Of course so you will, yeah. Just know that and set aside a separate little budget. Maybe <laughs> that was is, your Christmas money for this This is year. my sticker fund because I am six. <laughs> sticker fund. <laughs> I am six years old, and I have a sticker fund. Hey, I come away with a handful. <laughs> putting them on everything. I've got a bunch that I haven't put on anything yet. Or whatever to put them on. But yeah, of course, my son is, is still at that age. Was like, I have a helmet. You have stickers. Let's do that. Hey. So yeah, stickers. Absolutely. So pilgrimage, it's coming. It's the uh, well, the last couple of days of September, mm-hmm. right through the beginning of October, of September twenty ninth through October third, yeah. twenty nineteen. And and one one last quick thing that I want to want to be sure is very clear here. There are other ways to go. We're not claiming to be the only trip. We think for various reasons we're the best. But obviously, we're also biased. So please, so please read all the info. But one of the big things that was important for us when we came away from making the pilgrimage trip, and you guys said, would you lead this trip when we started doing it? One of the things that was very important for us is we didn't want you guys to have to do what's called Touristenfarten. And that Agreed. is the public days on the ring where anybody with any car and 30 euros – Helmet, no helmet, training, no training, can get on the thing with you, and you do a lap at a time. And it is, it it can be vehicular carnage. I I think I can paint the picture here. Okay, please. Any film that involved roller derby from the 1970s. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Just imagine that, and imagine sort of the campy, cheesy, play it up, you know, players sliding into each other and the stuff happening. That's kind of tourist and farting. Well, not and, really, but and kind if you've of. seen YouTube crash video compilations, the majority of those 
are from public days, these Tristan yes. Farton days. Yes. So we didn't want this trip to include Tristan Farton laps. We wanted it to be, that's a hard word to keep saying, we wanted it to be <laughs> non-public session. It would be a dedicated track day. We have a dedicated track day on the ring and one on spa as well, which means, by the way, also it means you get the full if the car is fast enough, 290, 300 kilometer per hour front straight mm-hmm. is available Depending to on your you. Car. It isn't available on the public days. They close it They close it down. That's where you get on and right, off. Right. So you get that full straight plus you have a fraction as many people and they are because they paid money to be there slightly more engaged in what's going on. So we, uh, we have avoided <laughs> that process as well, which we yes. believe is a massive safety help and also it's a massive learning help. This is the way to go, I'm promising you. Yes, and I'm reminding you again, we do have instructors, pro drivers that oh, work in the completely. industry. They might work for Mercedes or BMW or their racers in the VLN series. They work for RSR as well, and we're putting you in the car with them. They're riding shotgun, and they're telling you about yep. the track. It's yep. not show up and plunk, you're on the track, and you're still a little <laughs> a bit jet-lagged, day. and have, have fun. Time. You paid yeah. a whole bunch of money. Get the most out of it you can, because yeah. no, we're not doing that. It yeah. is not that at all. So you will come away with an amazing experience, improve mm-hmm. your driving skills, improve your appreciation for tires. And, <laughs> and instructors. And instructors, too. And so, the fact that, yes. that your your simulation that you play does not teach you the ring. You'll learn that, too. <laughs> uh, by the way, in case you haven't noticed, <clears throat> Paul and I are a bit excited tonight. Between the, the Discord uh, <laughs> chat room and the and all our excitement about awesome. the signups already for Pilgrimage, it, there's so much going on we're excited about. Plus, we are, as of tomorrow, by the time you're hearing this, we'll be finishing up our second episode of shooting for season five. Yeah, baby. That's already happening, which means I'm already getting into the edits for season five. I was talking Easy. to my parents today, and they were like, so uh, when do you get started again? I was like, get started again. How's that photojournalism project you've when, been working when's, on? When's the, when did the stop yeah, happen, I... get started again? So anyway, so that's <laughs> happening. Thank you guys for listening. We do have two car debates this evening. Oh, you know what? While we're here, another thank you to you, mm-hmm. the audience. Because in case you listened last time, mm-hmm. We did a little experiment. Hey, this and it is was about trying things. It is absolutely, and, and I'm I'm glad we did it. And we flat out called out you guys and said, yes. "Tell us what works and tell us what doesn't." And you guys res- were resoundingly responsive. Thank you. And what was fascinating is, without knowing what anybody else was saying, almost every comment we got steered the the car configurator idea in a similar direction. So mm-hmm. when, mm-hmm. if we resurrect that, it will obviously not be a common thing, but when and if we do, we have a much clearer direction on it. Thank you guys for the help there. We have heard you. That's awesome. Back well, yes. to kind of regular programming tonight. Regular programming. I just do, I want to say one more thing about that, and that is I'm glad we did it because it was a oh, tribute sure. to the GT2 RS yes, that was being agreed, driven agreed. on the, the GT episode. But also it's it's broadening what we want the podcast to become and, mm-hmm. and new segments and that kind of thing. So totally. I'm glad we tried it because we got direction from you guys. Mm-hmm. And thank you for that. Really, it's it's super helpful because then we can you know, kind of get to where we want to want to go and want to well, be and, constantly. And, and what's helpful to you guys and that kind well, of stuff. Yes. I and mean, that's a big thing about what's going on here, for sure. It's so funny because we've talked about supercars. Everybody sees supercars everywhere. But it's almost more fun to... To have the budget and find the, mm, the gem. Mm-hmm. I hear that. And I hear that. It's more, there's more resolution, I feel like, than just, yeah, go crazy. But, <laughs> you know, we're starting somewhere. We're refining it. We will f- in the future. And uh, I do want to say one more thing very quickly. We have a lot of little little intros to do tonight. <laughs> we are, we are <laughs> we're excited. To- we're just excited is what's exactly. going on. We are not generally known for scoops and news. That's not the point of the show. That's not really what we do. That's true, yeah. But there is an announcement recently from Toyota that they are giving royalty-free access to 24,000 of their hybrid patents. 
So just search for Toyota and patents. Sorry, 24,000 patents? A lot of patents. But it all has to do with hybrid technology. They're already the leaders in manufacturing in their you know various segments. And it just it struck me reading through some of these articles. Many companies have done this. Toyota has actually done this before. Okay. But they have so many patents, and they already have so many hybrid vehicles. They're wanting competition in the hybrid space. Interesting. Okay. It doesn't have anything to do with electric cars. Not the EV direct space, but the hybrid space. Right. Nearly 24,000 patents related to hybrid car technology available for license, royalty-free use until 2030, and they already offer consultation services to many other car companies. I just, I find this interesting, but it seems like they're continually doubling down on, you know, the hydrogen hybrid thing or, yeah, you know, yeah, various yeah. combinations of things. And I'm, it's very curious. I, I can't really read too far into it why they're not fully embracing the electric car like mm. every other car manufacturer will release something cool electric this year. They're, they're it's happening. Just about, I'll try into you, right? I mean, Mercedes point. EQC, yeah. iPace yeah. is already out, yeah. the Porsche Taycan, BMW's bringing stuff. Name a car company. They're all invested in this. And here's Toyota going, hey, come play with us in this arena. We'll give you all of our stuff if you want to play. Yeah, interesting. That's a fair Very point. Very strange and interesting. And uh, I think it's good, honestly. I mean, I think it's long term. It's good. But I just I find it curious. Well, while, while we're there, I, I'm going to jump to a question that we have for later. But I, but I think it relates here. Uh, there were two questions related to electric cars that are coming up, but I feel like you've just teed them up. So if you don't mind, I'm going to just segue to those. Not right at quick. all. We're, we're jumping around uh, already. It's all R- good. Rittenhouse68 on Instagram and PaxtonW on Instagram had electric car-related questions. Mm, okay. Uh, Rittenhouse said that they, have, uh, they wanted to get a Model X. They ended up getting a Model 3 and a Highlander. Oh, I did see this. Because uh, after after test driving for two days, they really were very concerned about the Model X doing everything in their life because of range anxiety. Now, remember, the Teslas do have the best infrastructure for charging of anybody. And it was still concerning for range anxiety for big uh, uh, road trips and mm-hmm, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So he said, what range level do we think we'll have to get to? And I, and I want to combine these, and I want to try to answer them both. What range level do we think electric cars have to get to before it becomes uh, a non-issue for families? And then Pat, Paxton W. said, uh, do we see evolution in battery technology? I was reading something today about new batteries that supposedly could do 600 miles in the same space as the current batteries. I was reading, reading that today. We'll see. But Great. essentially, does he think that we're going to go beyond lithium-ion into something else uh, that'll be better and give more range. And I was reading this thing today about 600-mile sure. range. I'm going to answer both of you with something that I said on our Model 3 Bolt episode, and I stand by, and we've talked about it before, and I have ranted about Tesla having gas stations without mm-hmm. trying and many other things. I don't think that range anxiety is the problem. I think the problem with electric cars is how long it takes to get your range back. If you had a 50-mile battery range in your electric car, but you could stop and have it back in 60 seconds, you wouldn't care. You it's wouldn't absolutely care. absolutely a great point. Because I, I totally agree. But So the, the problem is, if you have that 600-mile battery that I, I heard rumored today, and that takes you four hours to recharge, it's not enough range. If you follow what I'm saying, it's not it's not about range. Well, it's it, not usable enough. And then the secondary thing yeah. is the fact that the infrastructure to charge it is not anywhere close to ubiquitous enough. Even with superchargers, it's not enough to make us all comfortable. Think about the gas stations everywhere. And I'll give you a personal uh, example that is not electric but relates. When I had my FRS, 
everyone, the, everyone on the internet, I felt like, was saying, <laughs> you know what you should do? You should go E85 because you can oh. get better gas mileage. You can tune it to a bunch of power and blah, blah, blah. All those things were true, but here was the problem. <laughs> In the Salt Lake area, there is – follow me for a second. Salt Lake is a city of a million and a half people. Well, that's just the city. That that mm-hmm. does not include the outlying areas. Yes. My point is it's not a podunk little town, okay? There is one E85 station, and it is 50 miles from me one way. <laughs> so instantly, E85 is out. This is the yep. problem also with electric. It's about how quickly can I get it charged, which, by the way, at this point, even at the fastest, is too slow compared to gasoline. The time it takes me to get my mm-hmm. range back takes too mm-hmm. long, combined with where do I get that? What if it's behind a locked gate? What if I can't find it on the GPS? What if somebody's already there? So sure. the things that are going to make sure. this – so back to both of you guys' questions. I think it's going to make this more viable for more people is going to be faster recharge or reset time for your range. Whatever your range is, getting it back really quick and getting it back anywhere you want. Absolutely. I mean, you're touching on the reason that Toyota is doing this and no small decision-making at the executive level – from Toyota to say, you know what? Let's release patents. That's the whole idea of having patents mm-hmm. so you don't have any competition. Sure, sure. They're wanting it, yeah. And it is exactly because of the lack of build-out for infrastructure. Yeah. And they're, yeah. Say- they're saying, hey, guys, over here, the hydrogen patent you know, technology that we've yeah, got, yeah, yeah. we're on to something, or we think we're on to something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a huge decision. And I'm, just, I'm curious as to see how this will proliferate with new models. Will Toyota be the standalone over here? Will mm-hmm. car companies you know, kind of dive in and think, you know what, you do need some competition there. But on the other hand, what about hydrogen filling stations? Quick, think of a place where you can fill your hydrogen car. Yeah, quick, I, quick. Uh, 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 get back to us on that. It's yeah, take a bit. right. Yeah. So, I'm, one place in Southern California, just, I think. Anyway, yeah, it's very curious. But everybody else is landing on electric and can't build electric cars fast enough. Yet it still costs a lot of money to put a 240 watt kilowatt converter in your garage. Yes. Not to mention, find the closest charge point. Mm-hmm. Now, those are being built out. There are a couple of different networks, and they have the map, and yeah. you can type in your zip code. And yeah, I mean, there's actually. Four or five in Park City. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. But otherwise, electric cars will be upon us, and we don't have the infrastructure. See, that's the big thing. You say they're making them as fast as they can, but the infrastructure is still staggeringly behind the number. And Mm -hmm. and also, I had this conversation with somebody this week that actually drives a Tesla. Okay. Okay. And I mentioned to them in passing, because we're talking about their car, mentioned to them in passing that electric cars make up about 2% of the market. And he stopped me mid-sentence, and he went, really? And I said, yeah, it's 2% of the market and 90% of the press. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Press would you you know, believe but, it's the but other it way But it's a tiny percentage of the market, and yet it still doesn't have any infrastructure to support itself. These are the things yeah. that are standing in the way of the electric car. And I'm not saying the electric car is the end-all, be-all at all, but I'm saying the thing that's holding it back, I don't think, is, is battery technology or range per battery. Mm-hmm. It's recharge mm-hmm. time and where. But ultimately, that will increase. And Theoretically, if it's, yes. If it's at the three to 400, I think people will say, okay, that's about what my gas car gets. Yeah, but they've got to have that backed up because we we have 300 miles reserve in the tank, but we can go fill it instantly. To your point, exactly. So it's got to be backed by that. Yeah, but otherwise, six eight hundred thousand mile batteries are going to be the norm if the infrastructure doesn't get built out. We're leaving our cars plugged in all night long or all weekend. Well, that's that's the thing. If you can't plug it in overnight and you're doing a cross country road trip or you need a fast recharge, does that exist? And I know plug it in for the weekend, drive it all week. 
uh, yeah, for sure. Oh, of course you could. Or plug it in at night like your phone. That's what mm-hmm. they're counting on people doing is plugging it in at night like you do your phone. Or you and I have talked about the reverse. You don't have a charger at home, but the place that you work has one. So you don't charge it at home and you drive it to work and it sits there for eight hours a day getting charged there. But my point is back to it's taking hours uh-huh, to get uh-huh. you your range back. <laughs> the, the, the fine print on the Chevy Bolt charger, when we okay. had that press car, I yeah, had yeah, it at yeah. my house and mm-hmm. I parked it in the garage. Yeah. Plugged yeah. it in, and then I read the fine print, and it uh-huh. said something to the effect of this system puts a harder strain on your home electrical system if you don't have a 240-kilowatt charger mm-hmm. because now it's drawing constant power at a higher level through the transformer that's included and plugged into the car. And I'm thinking, yeesh, I don't want to wear out my – I mean, it's kind of saying the, the plug's going to wear out sooner in the garage wall. <laughs> your wires are going to melt and yeah. fray. It's not don't, going that far. But yeah, but yeah don't I'm mean to alarm going, you, but yeah, yeah. Uh, my, well, my house electrical system? But I've never the, thought about that wearing out. Here's the other thing. Here's what? the other thing in that that made me laugh when we were actually doing the math. If you have the big boy charger, the Chevy Bolt recharges in about nine hours. Now, which you can say, well, you brought it home at night, you got home at 6 or 7, you plugged it in, you needed it at 6 or 7 the next morning, it's fine. plenty charged, you're yeah. fine. Yeah. But if you don't have that and you plug it into your wall socket, it takes, listen to me now, 50 hours, 5-0. <laughs> Welcome to your weekend. 5-0 <laughs> hours to get your charge back. Yeah. You've got yeah. to be kidding me. <laughs> whole whole multiple car transactions can you can you can go like test drive cars all weekend buy a couple of cars bring them home your bolt's still charging you can clear town for the weekend in your you, gas powered you car could, you could go away for the weekend come, <laughs> come back, back bolt's still charging 99% <laughs> go 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 all right 22 minutes later finally yes, to the debate let's get to a car debate <laughs> from Omar he's in the bay area writing to us with not a 5000 but uh, a little bit of leeway 5 to 8000 dollar debate he says the $5,000 car returns, and then he says, okay, for Paul, we can go as high as eight, which is generous, by the way. That's I'm, a generous bump. It is. It is. It's lovely. I mean, we bumped three grand. I'm mm-hmm. taking it all. He currently drives a 97 Corolla with 296,000 miles on it. Okay. That's, that's run well. That's run very well. She's broken in. He's he's agreeing with this. <laughs> She's just broken in. She's just barely there. I love that. Yeah, it's starting to work right. Yeah, that's funny. The mechanic's like, all right. The piston rings are finally seated. Awesome. All right. So he's been driving this. He is eight months post-graduation from college, currently working at an auto parts store until he can get into his career field. Omar, you do not tell us what that is, but we wish you all the best in uh, in your chosen career. Definitely. He does about 80% of his own work on the car because <clears throat> the engine's burning a quart of oil every 500 miles. Stop for a second. Those piston rings are well seated. 500 miles a quart Look. of oil. <laughs> yeah. That is... That is by the way, for those of you at home, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> exactly. Don't even bother to stop and do math. That's a lot. I was going to say. All right. So he's saying, you know, it, it runs. It's it probably does. paid it does for. Run. Yes. He's saying it's tiring to be spending time and money on something that isn't enjoyable to commute in, mm. let alone fun driving. And it's just needing stuff, clearly. Yeah. I mean, a quart of oil every 500 miles. Wow. <laughs> just, Our, here's the thing. Our, look, I'm going to go there. Oh, RX-8 owners are laughing at you. Oh, man. Yeah, I, that's I, funny. I, I, there you go. Anyway. That's funny. All right. Five to 8,000. He's bumping it up. And he, he values in this order okay. handling, comfort, and quiet. Style, utility, and last straight line acceleration. Okay. Handling obviously is the most important, and he says one thing he does love about the Corolla that it's small and nimble. Yeah, I see that. Fair enough. I see that for sure. All right, so this would be the do it all commute, groceries, fun car. He wants four doors, 
automatic only because he's getting a manual fun card later on. That kind of blows my wild card a little bit, but um, maybe I can okay. bring you around to the wild card because I found a cool one. Good, good, good. All right. Something he's considering right now is a first-gen Mazda 3. Nice choice. Yeah, it is good for sure. Easy Definitely. to find. Lexus IS300. We've mentioned these cars before. Delightful. If you can find one, yeah. And that's his point. Everybody's selling them with either super high miles, even though it is that 2JZ engine, but stock exhaust, you know, that's gone. It's <laughs> they, been modified. They we'll don't say. get left alone. Let's just let's yeah. just put it that How way. Can yeah. You leave it alone, right? E46 3 Series. So, yeah, he's saying love the E46, but expensive, doesn't have that thing that he's used to running, the, the appliance uh, good feeling in your heart, I guess you could say. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, he's saying <laughs> he's he's looking for something he doesn't have to pour money at anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. All right. Handling is key. Again, comfort level that equals a decently quiet cabin on his commutes. And he recently became a patron. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, big time. All right. So my choices here. I started noodling. 2004 Subaru Impreza WRX STI with 162,000 miles. Oh, we're still a lot of miles. That's half his current mileage. It is, but that's a lot of miles on an STI. He, he's talking about his current car being a loud rattle box. 160,000 <laughs> mile STI is going to be a loud rattle box. And I speak okay. that as the guy that has both a Lancer that rattles and howls and a Lotus that does the same. Rattly and howly. I love Seriously, it. yeah. Here's the crazy thing. Okay. All those STIs, this is 12 grand. At 162,000 miles. That's nuts. And that's one of the cheap ones. They're holding their value like crazy. Which is why... I was shocked I'm going to go there. This is why you buy the Sabaru. I agree. Because you can get one of those for your eight grand. I I didn't have it on my list until right now you've bumped me into it. You could get a Sabaru and love it. You could. So I thought, all right, that's my starting place. Leave that alone. Mm -hmm. I moved to the, the 2006 Mazda Speed 6. Ooh. Found you a sport all-wheel drive for eighty four ninety nine, which means they want eight thousand for it. They do. That's a that's good one. That's a really good. Now, this one. one was white. I could not find the mileage, but it looked to be pretty top shape. Okay. And there's others that you can find in that price range. I mean, I know eight thousand is your top end, but if if you find a car that's eighty seven fifty or nine grand, and then you you know wheel and deal, and you go in and talk them down to eight, that still kind of counts, right? Yeah. All right. <laughs> sure, why not? So my wild card for you, Omar, I it it blew up some of your categories, but I think this is something to consider. Okay. A 1999 Acura Integra GSR with 125,000 miles for 7,900 bucks in Ohio. Black on black, leather, looks clean. It's manual. It's not a four door. Which Acura? It's the GSR. Really? Most of them are higher huh. priced. They're twelve to fourteen. Okay. All right. I found you one. There's nothing wrong. The Carfax is fine. It is not a salvage title. This was a third car. This owner says this was a third car for huh. him. He's an enthusiast, and he's selling for seventy nine hundred bucks. Integra GSR. Okay. I. I yeah. All right. Kind of cool, fun, different, and plus. You said you have a preference on styling cues from older imports and cars similar to the ones you listed earlier, the E46, mm. the IS300. That's right in that era. Okay. So I'm just saying, if you can find a GSR for that kind of money, other integrators will be fine. But, hey, <laughs> who knew? Like Wild it. card. It's crazy. I like I know. it. I like it. I know. 
Okay, those those are good. Those are good. I uh, I really like those. And I, I didn't I didn't actually think of until we started talking. I didn't think of the Saab Nine Two X, the Sabaru. I think it would. I thought but it would be one a, of your top choices. That's a viable choice here. I hadn't thought of that. I was trying to chase a car that feels a little modern. Okay. That feels like a nice place to be. That isn't the rattle trap that he's currently in, <laughs> which is but still everything else. True, right? but still has some fun to drive qualities. Okay, and gets okay. under. Eight grand. I mean, this is there's it's a lot to do. Tough. Here. There's a lot it's to do. Tough. I have two besides that Saab 92X that I'm now obsessing over again. <laughs> and if you get it, by the way, get the Arrow. That is the turbo version. You can find them all day long for your budget. So you can go look. I think that's a great choice. Arrow here's, is to here's turbo, two. like EcoBoost is to turbo, something like that. Yes. Okay. Uh, I remember actually when Ford, I, I was at the Motor Press Guild event when Ford introduced, we're going to do EcoBoost. And the whole time he's doing this big, like, but it was a total PowerPoint presentation. He was very excited totally. about himself. It was somebody high, high up and wearing a suit. And he says, he says this whole thing about EcoBoost. And the whole time I'm thinking, so you're going to make turbos? So, exactly. so, so, what, so what you're telling me is you've got a big PowerPoint presentation to a room full of journalists to essentially say what you could have sent in an email. Hi, we're Ford. We're going to make turbos. And why is turbo a dirty word? Yeah, it's no longer. Everybody loves. Everybody loves. And we got to call it EcoBoost, which is just. I'm sorry, it's still terrible. Anyway, I'm way off. Way off base. Here's two for you. I think you should look, Omar, at the Suzuki Kazashi. Oh, good. Oh man. Modern. Wow. Good looking. Yes, I'm sure you can get them serviced because I think there's a lot of GM transfer parts there. I know you, can, but because Suzuki no longer exists in this country, these things are crazy cheap. What and about insurance every, though? Because they don't longer exist and parts and all that. Jazz. I, here's the thing: I think it's twofold. I think on one level, because it will be harder to get parts, you'd be bumped up more than if you got yourself a Civic. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I don't okay. think. But I think unlike. And by the way, Civic Si is also on my list for you. But but unlike a Civic. It's not going to be in an insurance category where a bunch of 16-year-olds have crashed them. So I think it would be cheap to insure because there's not many on the road and they haven't been crashed, but bumped up a little bit because where do we get parts? Your insurance agent's going to say, um, what now? Uh, Excuse uh, me? A who which? I don't have Pardon? that on my listing. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. I don't have a drop-down menu you're, for you're, that. You're going to be at Haggerty just because <laughs> exactly. your, your local dealer has no idea. Your local insurance agent has no idea. Who, s- 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 so you got what? a motorcycle? No, I got a car. But but they make motorcycles. Okay, let me start again. A lot of explaining to do with that one. But Suzuki Kazashi, and I, I see a few every year here in Salt Lake because they come in all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. every time I see one, it turns my head. They were really beautiful. It was a cool-looking car I mean, as they were they leaving. It's kind of like the last few cars that Pontiac made. They were cool as the brand was dying. <laughs> Finally, so, you guys make cool ones only to die. <laughs> dang it. Yeah, anyway. <sighs> so Suzuki Kazashi, look into that. I think that's an option. And then the other one I think would be great for you because everyone I know that's had one has loved it. They're reliable. They run like crazy. They go way high in miles. Get yourself an 04 to 08 Acura TL, mm. one of the best front-wheel drive sedans of that era and a timeless, good-looking design with a nice interior, except for the fact it is centered around a tape player. <laughs> except for that fact. Whatever. It's actually a great interior, and you can get them cheap, and they are Good to drive, and I think I think you would thoroughly enjoy that car. Now again, Civic Si is a candidate, Saab 92X is a candidate, Suzuki Kazashi is a candidate, but but look at the Acura TL because I think you'll surprise yourself. I'm forever associating, I had a friend who had the Acura TL. I think it was an 03. He had an 03. He had the ones that were known to grenade their transmissions, and he had it serviced. And I, I remember the story succinctly that the service 
person came out and said, Brian, your transmission fluid is chocolate brown. <laughs> he went, uh, that, is that is bad that, or is good? That bad? It is chocolate brown. <laughs> no good. He replaced the transmission. Yeah, well, unfortunately, that era was I just, known to I grenade the TL and that color of transmission, like, yes. you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the yeah. Chocolate River, like, that was your fluid. And transmission <laughs> brought to you by Hershey's. Exactly. But that was the generation prior. I'm talking the 04 to 08s. They're great cars. I've driven them on a couple of occasions. I know somebody that bought one in 08, brand new, and is still driving it right now, and they have owned three other cars in the interim, and the Acura is still their favorite. Okay. Awesome. So awesome. anyway, give They're that great. a look. Hopefully there's a, there's a good do-it-all car in there that you can actually enjoy, Omar. We appreciate you writing in. Yep. We must take a break. If you've got your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, or while you're browsing all the FAQ on the pilgrimage trip, you can also hit the contact button in the top right yes, corner you can. under the bathtub. Yes, you can. We must take a break. We are coming back. We're often asked how we find the cars that we recommend to all of you listening. Whether it's local or nationwide, our searches start with Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car shopping site separately, you can enter all your parameters for the car you're looking for into Auto Tempest one time, and then you can search for them all at once. See results from Cars.com, Cars Direct, eBay, and more, or you can jump to Auto Trader or Car Gurus without entering anything new. Same parameters, new site. You can even search all of Craigslist. Think about how hard it is to search Craigslist nationwide, one at a time. Autotempest.com has got you covered there all at once. Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car, whether there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the country. Plus, the people at Auto Tempest listen to this podcast, and they're always refining the site for more features. They've got research tools, buyer and seller guides, and they're listening to what their users need. So if you're doing your own drive homework, you're chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease, as we are all the time, Autotempest.com is your place to start. Plus, I was on it an hour ago. We're back with uh, Jack writing to us from the UK. I like these these UK uh, car debates because they always challenge me, and we go off into stuff that I hadn't thought about for a while. Uh, but one of the things I also like about the UK, mm. they sell a surprising percentage per capita of convertibles. In Do a they? country, oh yes, you yes. know this. Yeah, UK sells a surprising number of convertibles. The, the, the irony is thick. It's here. it's very thick. It's very thick. Okay, it, it's almost as ironic as the fact that my Lotus Elise can't go through a heavy downpour. Right. Okay, <laughs> right. It, it, it's a it's a similar irony, but but the British love their convertibles, and and Jack is in that camp. I know Germans love their sunshine. As soon as there's yeah. any hint of yeah, sunshine, yeah. the Germans are out sunbathing. They just are. Yep. If you're listening, I'm I'm not wrong, am I? <laughs> they just love and sunshine. They, and they barbecue as well, which is very And cool. they barbecue, yeah. yes. Yeah. All right. So Jack, is, uh, he's 26. He owns a 1997. Did you see the common thread there? Omar had the 97 Corolla. There you go. Hey, look at you. Look 97 at you. Toyota MR2 GT with a T-bar. It's a Euro spec with a naturally aspirated 3 SGE engine. He's had it for six years, and it only has 80,000 miles. Wow. He's owned it since he was 20, obviously, six years. He's reached a point where he needs to try something new. Okay. You've written to the right place, Jack. We're all about that, for we sure. Are. Yeah. He wanted to hear our thoughts. With the budget that would be around seven to ten thousand pounds after the MR2 is sold, mm. the good news is this is not the only car. This is the fun car. Yep. So yep. he doesn't mention what the other car is, but to be honest, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't. It doesn't because this is a car that is just about having fun, as the MR2 has been. All right. So 
what is a good choice for the MR2 replacement? Should he be so inclined? And yes. just the fact that you're writing yes. and expressing and articulating your thoughts about getting rid of it means yes. you're already over the cliff, Jack. Well, I mean, he's he's got a, the MR2. The, he says it's a T-bar, so I suggest that's a T-top version. T-top, so it's not yeah. full convertible, but he really would like convertible because it's UK <laughs> and we need a convertible for those three days a year. That'll be great. All right. He's been thinking about the Nissan 350Z Roadster. Okay. So convertible. Yeah. Interesting. And first of all, his question is, would we sell the MR2 if mm-hmm. we were him? And then he's mentioning it as, it's a weekend car. As yeah, all yeah, yeah. convertibles in the UK are, right? They're all maybe, weekend cars? Maybe, maybe. I, I, I say daily one. I, I, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's, da- let's daily a Miata and let's do it year-round. That's what I think we should do in the UK, for sure. I think you should clean I would it up do and it. sell it, Jack. Okay. I, I do. Because you have had it, you've enjoyed it, and again... Mm-hmm. We say you don't have to be out of love with a car to get rid of it. You don't have to dislike it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can still love it and get rid of it, and it goes to a new happy enthusiast Mm -hmm. that will get another six years out of it and love it. Probably. Plus, those are just cool cars. Yeah, they are. And and saying it's a cool car, right along the lines of what you're saying, Paul, is not to say it's a cool car, keep it. It's a cool car. You have enjoyed it. Absolutely. So let's get a new experience for sure. I've been thinking about Boxsters. I've been thinking about TTs. Of course, MX-5s come to mind of for course. this kind of price. They, they have to be in there somewhere, yeah. But then this thought stuck in my mind. Okay. Since it's a weekend car, yeah. Porsche 968s always seem to come in cabriolets. And they're always Excellent cheaper point. than the hardtop. And they're always available. They're just available. Excellent point. Now, they're not the 944 Turbo, but they're a newer body style. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Relative. But even the the last year, you'd be kind of staying in the era, like a 93. Through a 95, yeah, yeah. 968. And every time I'm <clears throat> browsing the Porsche Club of America website, I just so keep. Any day ending in Y. Got it. Pretty yeah. much. I, I keep running across 968 Cabriolets. And I think, well, I if I were shopping, I don't want the Cabriolet. I want the hardtop. Those are the ones that are hard to find. But You make a good point. The convertibles are. They're breeding like rabbits. I feel like still. every time I see one, it is a convertible. That's a very good point. I'm just, I'm just asking yeah. because. Nowhere have you mentioned, Jack, that it needs to be a track beast or a canyon Sure, sure, sure. You know, Carver or any of this. It's just fun car. It's just weekend, get Mm -hmm. out, throw the top down, go enjoy. Yeah. And that is the 968 sweet spot. Interesting. And I'll bet you can get them easy. Seriously, they're just, they're cheap and readily available. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Uh, I tried to go a little bit newer for you, Jack. I, uh... I like the 97. I mean, here, here's the thing. You're in a 97, and we're, you're giving the whole description of maybe T-tops, and it's only a fun car. And my brain went to you could get you could get the Nissan 300ZX, which I think is a more timeless car. It and is. A more interesting. Let me, let me stop I'm for going a backwards. The 350Z that. as a convertible is fine. I think the three fifth, and, and look, there's really there's nothing. Don't try to hide your enthusiasm so much. I know there's nothing fundamentally wrong with it. I also don't think it is overly compelling. I think mm-hmm. it is yeah. the 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 best compelling thing about that generation Z is they are reliable, robust, and cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think there's other cars with more personality out there. That can fill this need. They're like at the flavorless end of the gelato. You know, everybody's yeah. like looking at the chocolate and the mango over here, and then you look over there, like we're going to get hate mail. It's going to happen. There's <laughs> I love gelato. But, you know, I, anyway, yeah, they're uh, fine. You're right. So, they're fine. Th- anyway, so there's that. Um, I think uh, I've got some other options for you. 
Uh, but, but that made me think 300ZX because you said T-Tops made me think 300ZX. Sure. But the problem is, is there that's older than your MR2. I want to go newer than that. I want to go more modern than that. Yeah. You brought up Boxsters. I do have to say, Boxsters are one of those cars that are just cheap in the UK. First-gen Boxsters are cheap anyway, yeah. but they're cheap in the UK. I mean, so that is a possibility. Luxury cars fall off a cliff. Can't it go get a like a one-year-old BMW 7 Series for ten grand? <laughs> the, they just The used market in the UK for, <laughs> is, is, is broad. Yeah, that's true. So there's that. Get yourself um, a V12. Treat yourself, Jeff. There's there's nothing wrong with the MX-5. It's got to be mentioned here. I kept wondering about the Opel GT, the updated Opel GT, which is technically the Pontiac Solstice over there, but I don't think they sold it in Britain. Oh. I think it was a European car only. I don't Vauxhall? think it was a Britain car. Did they sell a Vauxhall? Vauxhall um, somebody correct me. Somebody correct me, but the, but I mm. don't think that the Pontiac was ever actually, the Pontiac Solstice was actually sold in Britain, even though I know it was sold in Europe. In a different brand, I'm just I'm drawing a blank mm-hmm. on it right now. I'm having trouble finding it. Needing research. That made me think about it, but I actually think I have the answer for you, Jack. I think I have the car you can go out and buy right now. It will be fun. It will be a new experience. It will run. It will be reliable. There are multiple options for you in the UK for your budget right now. Go get one Honda S2000. Good. AP1s all day long for your budget, and you might even find an AP2 that is the kind of the update that started in 04. That's excellent. If you can get the AP2, get the AP2, but either way, get get an That's a great choice. It's it's phenomenal six speed, great working hard top. It was it was it was cutting edge. Actually, you know what? It was ahead of its time when it came out in ninety nine. The market Mm -hmm. caught up to it, but by the time the market caught up to it, it was like 2006, when the rest of the market felt like, oh, well, now the S2000 feels current. It was that mm-hmm. far ahead. Yeah. And it still holds up really well. And since it's your fun car, that will be a fun car and a great convertible. I honestly think it begins and ends at S2000. Well done. Honda, are you listening? You need the, the S2001? The S3000, what? the S2200. The S3, Let's do something. S3000. Yeah, I don't know. Something. That'll It'd be never nice. go out of date. As long as we're alive, something I don't know. Ridiculous. All right. You know what they should do? Hang on, just, just hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, uh oh. When the S two thousand came out, it had a push button start, and at the time, people it's freaked kind, out. And it was kind of like the my Elise's push button start was like turn the key and hit the push button. At the time, it was like that's got a red start stop on it, and it was they were way ahead of everybody else. Three <laughs> tapping years, into the human emotion of. What does this button do? Exactly. What's this button do? But 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 you know now ten ten years later by the by that point by by two thousand nine everything had it and now it's weird to get a key. What they should do? Honda should make the S three thousand that has a keyed ignition, no start stop button at all. You have to stick the key in the ignition just so they could switch the world again. Just we're bringing it back. Well, your car is like twist the key, hit the button, dance around the campfire, and carve something out of wood. Well, Quick. You, no, you had, you, had might start. you had to dance around the campfire when the alarm was still connected. Now there's no alarm. Oh, yes. It just runs. You get in the Lotus, you turn <laughs> the key, hit the start button, and you're off. I love it. I drove it today. It was fantastic. So the moral of the story is chop your alarm out. And that, if, it's, if it's a Lotus Elise, you do. Otherwise, I'm telling you, it's going to be chirping in the middle of the night. I've said this story before. I'd had the car less than a week, and at 3 a.m., my car started going chirp, chirp, yeah. chirp. And my wife rolled over and said exactly like this, is that your car? <laughs> You can you can hear the vitriol. Can, just ooh. just just this flat lying dead pad voice from the other side of the bed. Is that your car? 
And I, in, in a fit of rage, was halfway down the stairs say, of you, my house. Did you levitate out of bed? And- halfway down the stairs of my house, and it stopped doing it. Which is actually almost worse than if it had continued. It's in now, the category of the the hardwired uh, fire alarm. Because now, because now I'm up and out. you're just taunting me. So yeah. the next day, that alarm came out. I was like, "This is not happening again." <laughs> anyway, yeah. Where are you going with that giant pair of scissors? Yeah, exactly. All right, Facebook on on Facebook. Cortland Bailey has asked us about BMW design language and why did it peak with the E39 and E46 era? <laughs> and he's saying not Casting just a design. little bias there, but oh, yeah. yeah. By the way, he wrote a debate. We're sorry we couldn't get to it, and uh, he landed on an E46 ZHP. Oh, those are cool. Pretty awesome. Those well are very done, cool. Well bought. Yeah, they're 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 hard to find, and they're great cars. Well, he was saying, you know, why did BMW's design language peak at this era? Well. The entire era was a little bit uh, less aggressive manufacturing and, and I guess manufacturing, I suppose. Designers were introducing less aggressive shapes. Mm. So manufacturing is a little bit easier, but that was just kind of the design of the times also. I mean, you look at, you know, more slab-sided cars across the board with, you know, a single shoulder line and a single feature. And then, you know, came the flame surfacing era after that, and it, it pushed things. But car designs obviously have gotten more aggressive and yet more subtle over time. They've, more, they've gotten much, much more complex, I feel like. Certainly more complex, and that has to do with manufacturing techniques, processes, yeah, yeah. and the constant business decisions of, you know, taking money out of a car to make this better, but how can we do a different design? And then overall people's tastes. You see, how about the, the 90s Ford Taurus? Yes. The one modeled after the house shoe? Yeesh. Yeah. Literally, the one that was modeled after the house shoe. Yeah. They looked at their target market, and they modeled the car after the slip-in house slipper. There are people listening. There are many of you listening that have either driven or possibly owned one of these cars. And they're probably fine. Of all of the mood boards, <laughs> of all of the inspirational things that a designer could do, and I'm not even, I'm not even the designer guy, you settled on, well... This is a car for people that wear house slippers. Let's make it look like a house slipper. <laughs> this the, and somebody else higher up than that designer went. That sounds like a good idea. I have seen the sketches. The sketches looked pretty cool, but they were design of the times. And it yeah. was, you know, what's interesting is designers' techniques in sketching okay. influences the shapes. I mean, oh, I, sure. literally, you're, you're, the way you sketch, whether you draw from your elbow or draw from your wrist, interesting. however you sketch and draw. Thickness of lines and that kind of stuff. All that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Line weight okay. and, and the sorts of shapes that you draw, whether it's a quick sketch motion or it's more a fastidious kind of drawing, yeah, okay. that very much okay. influences. And that is, it's cyclical. It's at, at every point, there was some designer that comes up with the forward-leaning windshield and thinks, nobody's ever done this, and it gives this totally different look to a pickup truck, and it leans forward. Yeah. And believe me, every class has somebody that did a forward-leaning windshield on some cool different truck, and, and no, no. <laughs> it's it's really hard to come to a conclusion at any point in life, be like, nobody's ever done... Oh, wait. But the sketches look cool. Okay. This is what happened. Speaking of this era of BMW design, it just dawned on me. The filmmaker in me just dawned, this just dawned on me. This era of fantastic BMW design, for whatever reason, coincided with the short period of time when BMW was the official car of James Bond. 
the Pierce Brosnan James Bond years, it wasn't mm-hmm. Aston Martin. I forget what the story was, but essentially Aston Martin either didn't want to pony up <laughs> the dough or, money or the... BMW decided to throw more money. And for a while, he was driving BMWs. And the Z3 mm-hmm. was introduced for the first time ever in a Bond film. Pierce Brosnan drove up. It was in one scene. Yeah. The BMW Z8 convertible introduced in a Pierce Brosnan Bond film. He has an amazing uh, use all the airbags. This is a BMW commercial remote control 7 series from that era when all the 7 series looked gorgeous. With with a phone that looks like it could, you know, have a duel with your VCR. Yes, but it was pre-smartphone, and he had a smartphone. So my my point is, it's it's kind of inexplicable to me that that era of James Bond happened to be the era that BMW seemed to be killing it the most. Hmm. Anyway, interesting. It was it was the times. It was the style of the times. To be Crazy. honest, uh, Ian Ricks is watching our YouTube channel. I know this because he has done a track daily crush from our <laughs> latest fast blasts. This may be easy, but I have to at least mention it. He said, "Okay, guys, 2019 Subaru Forester Sport." 2019 Toyota Corolla XSE and 2019 Acura MDX. Those are our three latest fast blasts on the YouTube channel. Mm. Track daily crush. I have an answer. I have an answer too. It's it's currently formulating. I think I would crush the Subi. I agree with you. It just wasn't. I agree with you. Yeah, it doesn't deserve a place uh, well, in the but track. Of, but of those choices, that's it's that's the one that dies. I would track the Corolla, and I would absolutely daily the MDX. Yeah, I think I would too. Yeah. that That's the sweet spot. I right think it's there. an easy answer, but at the same time, I think it's hysterical that you decided to go, okay, latest versions, let's talk about it. Hmm. Question from last podcast. We didn't get to from Steve Zywicka. He says, all right, Mr. Design Guy. His father was a designer. His brother was an industrial design major, now teaching at CMU, which I believe is Carnegie Mellon University. He's a photographer, videographer, so tiny details matter to our species. Bad hood lines. (laughs) Why are manufacturers not following the car's natural shape or some sort of sensible arc and hacking a straight line across the front end? It looks atrocious, and as someone who's in the market, it instantly removes several models. I agree. What are some of the best and worst in this category? Well, first of all, bad hood lines. This is a a negotiation, I will say. Designers being the people in the center of the storm that <laughs> yeah. need to satisfy the design brief. Yeah. They need to come up with something cool to satisfy, you know, the themselves, you know. You've done good work. People like it. The design yeah. boss, it represents the company well. The people just m- making it over here want something easy to make. The engineers want to you know, build a box. Yeah, save and, money. Yeah. You know, marketing and design want something really cool to market. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. With Now with more cup holders well, and a exactly. higher ride height. Oh, man. And by the way, it's a coupe shape on an SUV. So shut lines are a negotiation because there's engineering underneath. And yeah. this is why you will see rear doors that are very dishonest. The the shut oh, sure. line looks larger, and the, you know the entry into the rear passenger compartment looks big, and then you open it, and you've got this huge stamping right in your way. You think, well, Fisker, that sucks. Fisker Karma, you practically crawled out a tunnel to get in the yeah. back seat. It's it's the craziest rear door ever. So it's it's a negotiation along okay. uh, manufacturing and where hard points are, and maybe you've got to work around those. And that's just simply the panel has to be this shape, and it can't be another shape. If you want that design. And we want to stamp this out of metal. Yeah. That's the hard fastening point for structural purposes. We can't get around that. So your shut line is going to have to do this around that point or wherever the radiator is. Sounds like along the front, 
You know, it's a bit of a cop-out. Well, but you know what I think is a huge issue here with hood lines right now in general is pedestrian crash standards. Everything has now got a brick front end. Yes. Because we're worried about, I hate to say it, get out of the street. We're worried about pedestrians We're because we're all staring at our phones and we're in the crosswalk. This is, okay. The pedestrians they're, they're, included, by the way. That's what I'm saying. Well, the, the drivers are staring at their phones and the pedestrians, and the pedestrians are staring. Exactly what I'm saying. Right. Both sides right. of that equation are staring at the phone. Yeah, anyway. No, but, but pedestrian crash standards have caused I – mean, look at what's happened to the Honda Accord in the last decade. Its hood <laughs> is actually bulbous. It's thick. It's bulbous it's because thick. it is about pedestrian crash standards. And there are cars that do it well, like the Alfa Romeo Giulia. Okay. Does this bubble hood a little bit well. But almost every sedan now has this – it's like you inflated a brick – to get the hmm. pedestrian crash standards, and I think it has ruined design of most cars' front ends from the place that I think they would be if they didn't have that standard to adhere to. Hmm. Anyway. Steve, to answer your question, it is um, – I think Mazda, the new Mazda 3, has some of the best. Those are deliciously curated lines hmm. and some of the worst I've seen from Buick, to be perfectly honest. Ooh. I'm calling them out. I've seen – it's like an actor phoning in a movie – You've just drew the line here and called it a day. Got a house payment. Got to pay the bills. And ultimately, it's because designers are not drawing the shut lines along with their sketch. They're not designing the shut lines too. Interesting. And pushing for them. Huh. Like I said, it's a negotiation. The you know you you have to give to get, and to get that design, you might have to. Oh, that shut line has to cross that because of the chassis and it's a facelift, and you know I can't come over that far with a shut line. Sorry, that's might be the engineering response, but. I, I think Mazda just, they're delicious. They pay attention. Yeah, they do. Follow those really lines. Follow yeah. the, the the washouts and the fadeouts and follow the lines around the car. It's great. Chad Merrick on Facebook is asking a snow tires question. I tend to be the, the, the guy of uh, the town crier of tires, so I'm going to speak on this. Uh, <laughs> the yeah. town cried. I don't know. I don't Get know. It's your tires. The tires. Is that like bring out your tires? Dead? It is like bring out your dead. It's just bring out <laughs> your snow tires. A- <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we so he's, he's asking, should I swap my summer tires and winter tires back and forth on the same rims? If not, should I get the same size wheels? Should I go down a size? What should I do? Chad, there's a million ways to answer this, and it all comes down to hassle factor and budget. I have done both of what you're talking about. I have actually swapped tires on the same rims. If you can, the the proper way to do this, because it is the most efficient and it gets you the best grip in all scenarios – if you can get a separate set of rims for the winter, the rims can be narrower, but whether the rims are narrower or not, you can run a narrower tire. I would run a narrower tire in the winter. The nice thing about this scenario is there's a lot of upfront cost, but the nice thing about it is you now can do it yourself once you get them mounted. By the way, the other thing that you don't, people don't think about when you do this cost is, by the way, you probably need more uh, <coughs> tire pressure monitoring systems on the new set of rims unless you just want to see that tire thing freak out for four <laughs> just, months out of the year right uh, it, it, just it's, put it's a like, piece of electrical tape it, it's exactly the, it's, the, it's the fix the Fine. old VCR thing it's just put the electrical <laughs> tape in and go I fixed the problem no but if you don't want that and you actually want your TPMS all winter then you've got to get those actually added on to the cost so there is real upfront cost here mm-hmm. the best mm-hmm. way to do it is you have a set of rims with nice summer performance tires you have a set of rims with nice winter tires the winter tires is a is a smaller thickness tire. It could be the same diameter, but it needs to be narrower 
You'll be better off for grip. And then when the we get around to this part of the year, we're in April now. You get around to this part of the year, you can just take them off in a weekend yourself and, and you're done, which is what I'm about to do with my wife's Cayenne. Three of you asked about the new exciting Ford Escape design. Josh yeah. met on Facebook, G. Lewis 35 Instagram, and Ed the Sled. There Thoughts it is. on the new Ford Escape. G. Lewis 35 thinks there's a hint of Macan in the I silhouette. I think there is, too. I think there's definite there could Macan be influence. in silhouette form, but I think Ford has put all the ingredients in, and it's just a bland smoothie. It's just a... <laughs> A little no bit of this, a little bit of that. Tastes like nothing. It does. It's just. <laughs> I, I'm looking at this, and I'm looking. I'm looking at all the photos. Yeah. They have created their own Escapeville town. They took over a little town, I think, somewhere in Michigan, and gussied it up. And uh, I'm they sorry, call it Escapeville. Escapeville. Come to Escapeville. But I'm looking at all the photos, thinking you could put any SUV, any car, in those photos. And make marketing photos. They've got the obligatory, we're canoeing and we're, we're, we're wearing beanies and then we're, you know, doing some sort of cargo thing and my hands are full. Sorry, and- listen up, listen up, everybody. I need, I need canoes and beanies. Tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning on the call sheet, that tomorrow a- morning on the call sheet, we need, uh, we need a girl in a summer dress uh-huh. and I need multiple packages, somebody carrying a grocery bag with a, with a French roll sticking out of it. Get on that stat. That's this six is, o'clock tomorrow morning. Let's it's go. It's obligatory. It is yes. like the poor shot on beer commercials. Yes. It, every. Yes. Really? It's golden liquid with, okay. There's a lot of lighting that goes into that oh shot. Oh my gosh. The DP is stressing himself out. It is the yeah. food photography of cars. It is <laughs> not compelling. Yeah. It's uh, look at the Ford Kuga, the brand new Kuga okay. right. that just came out in Europe alongside this one. Yeah, designers fought for awesome shapes, and it looks Interesting. far better. Interesting. The sheet metal is different. It's pretty much the same car, huh. and it just feels like every. It just it's a giant compromise. Everybody. Just said, okay, that, that, that'll do. That's going to be fine. It'll be fine. We're going to sell it for a low price, and it's fine. Somebody hit escape, and we're out. You yeah. want a scoop of vanilla? Here's a scoop of vanilla there we go. for you. Uh, JSpark9 on Instagram said he needs more power. Guess what he drives? It's a Scion FRS. How oh, does he get yes. more power uh, for, around, nope, for around $500? And I will give you your answer. Get the open flash tablet with the base tune. It's going to cost you right about 500 bucks. This is not revolutionary. It isn't. But what it does is your torque dip problem that that the 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 issue with the torque dip. I want to spell spell this out real quickly, real quickly. The issue is, is that torque dip. Exactly, no, it's guacamole. <laughs> exactly, you're gonna love it though. It's gonna be great. It's seven layer. No, it's not. It's actually only one. Seven layer uh, torque dip. The, the problem is that you put your foot in, in this car, and, and naturally aspirated engines. The best part about a naturally aspirated engine is that it feels like it's getting more and more powerful the higher it gets in the rev band. That's mm. when they feel great unlike a turbo that hits its cliff of torque and off you go. It's just got a nice build. That's what what it should feel like. These 86 chassis don't feel like that. They they surge and then they die away and then they surge again. And that just feels weird. It feels makes the car feel even less powerful. For that $500, you can get an open flash tablet that will mostly kill that dip in the torque curve. The car doesn't actually get that much more powerful, but it feels more consistent. And I think for your 500 bucks, that's the best use of your cash. Jay Cullens on Twitter has asked us, what is the best car museum we've been to? Is there one we want to visit in the future? I want to go to as many as I can. Yes, I want to go to car museums. I love them. The best one I've been to so far, by a nose, is the Mullen Automotive Museum in Oxnard, California, that is full of French coach work, and it's spectacular. Wow, okay. 
Peter Mullen is a businessman philanthropist. He's an older gentleman now, but a huge automotive patron. He's got the money to make it an amazing, curated, beautiful collection of French cars you might not have ever heard of. Huh. Gorgeous, and they're perfectly restored. He also is a supporter of Art Center, my alma mater in Pasadena. And yes, I've been to a few around the world. I I love going. The private ones are what, what are so interesting because it's, you know, that what is your... What is your thing? You know, that's how it was curated. Was it, you know, pre-war? Was it, you know, Americana? What was it? Those are always interesting. But the Mullen Automotive Museum so far, is, okay. it's pretty up there. That's cool. That's very cool. Uh, let's see. E- Ethan Serland on Instagram says, are car reviews getting too positive? Seems like oh. honest reviews are, are not happening. He's actually calling out Savage Geese. Uh, Mark makes great stuff. Yeah, he does. We he got to said, hang out with him briefly. Yeah, when for we're sure. In he's a great guy, does great stuff. Uh, he said, uh, it seems like Savage Geese is one of the only people that actually calls out a car when it's bad. Uh, I, I want to speak to this two different directions. Uh, there is a factor here that is um, some people are only concerned about the fact they want to get another car, so they're not going to say anything bad. There's another factor mm-hmm. that is, and we've noticed this on YouTube reviews and everything, and, and we try to be we try to be straight up with the issues. But if you or I, Paul, say ten positive things and two mm-hmm. negative things, there is a segment of the audience, typically the segment that already likes the car, that is going to call us haters. Now, yeah. I said ten positive things. There are two real negatives. There is a, there is a scenario here also where honestly, honestly, go back. 20, 25 years, there were some genuinely awful cars on the market. Now there are fewer genuinely awful cars. Are they out there? Oh, yes. But <laughs> we we typically aren't going to pick them out because I don't see the purpose of having a review, Mitsubishi Mirage, having a review <laughs> that is just, this car is awful for 10 minutes because I don't feel like I've done you a service. I'd like to find a car that should be decent and go, these things are good mm-hmm. and these things are less than good. But then I'll say the other part of it that defends being positive because I had this problem as a screenwriter and as a, I, I did a lot of work as a script doctor hmm. and a lot of work doing notes. And I f- realized something after doing it for about a decade, I realized something. It's very easy over time to just become Eeyore, just become let me tell you everything that's wrong. Sure, sure. I have watched plenty of movies that I have thoroughly enjoyed watching it, and there were staggering problems with the script. <laughs> I sure. Could, my brain sure. works in such a way that I can watch a movie and I can see how it was on the page. It's a weird thing. But anyway, but does it necessarily mean that it'll be a bad movie? Or in this case, there's a couple things about this car that are bad, but doesn't make it a bad car. One of the things that's hard for us is to review a car in its segment. I can drive an SUV and tell you it's terrible because a lot of them are terrible to drive. But that's not the point. Right. They might be brilliant and useful. It's not the point of why it exists. I can tell you why a minivan is helpful, but I don't want to drive one. Sure. So one of the things is to try to get our headspace into who is the buyer and how, what's the benefit of the car? Hopefully, hopefully, we are coming at, at this with positives and negatives on every car. That's our intention. 
We also know that it's easy to go, if I could just follow the rabbit trail and tell you all the things that suck, because every car has things that suck. I don't want to be that guy either. So we're, we're balancing it here. Dot com. You, you may be right. There may, be too many, there may be too many, too many people that are just like, every car is great. I'll tell you right now, not every car is great, but hopefully every car has a place, unless it's like an old Corolla or a Prius. Those are both <laughs> Toyota say. products. I didn't mean to poke, take, <laughs> uh, take shots, but there they are, yeah. They no. make the 86. They're, they're trying. That's true. And they've got the Super coming up, so we'll, we'll, yeah. give them a, we'll give them a cut. All right, so Wheelman GT asking, how soon is too soon for vehicle test drives? He's thinking of making a purchase in two years but would like to drive a lot of cars. Fair enough. And it sounds like you're genuinely doing research because mm -hmm. – if you're, you know, we don't know what your categories are, but if you're comparing a lot of cars, it may just, it may take you that because, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. work, family, life, just getting around to doing things. I see no reason why you can't personally. Now, sales folks can kind of bring it out of you. They're, they ask questions. They're, they're not only trained to, but they want to know, you know, is, am I going to make some money here soon? Sure. Yeah. I think most of them genuinely want to be helpful. Hopefully. And they're going to ask you questions. You know, when are you looking? You know, mm -hmm. some people want it right away. But I think it's fair to say, you know, here, I'm, I'm you know, in the midst of my research, you might say. Yeah. They don't yeah, have yeah. to know at what point. And you can, you've got your choice about going to multiple dealerships totally. in multiple towns. And if you live in a big city, it's pretty easy to do. You can drive to the next giant autorama street, you know, <laughs> yes. 20 yes, minutes away right. or wherever right, that yeah. is. You don't want to become you don't want to waste their time, certainly. Nobody likes to have their time wasted. But if it's genuine research, I see no reason to to conduct genuine ongoing research, but it doesn't always have to be at the dealership. We recommend Turo, mm -hmm. we recommend, you know, general renting of cars to Totally, totally, yeah. Get yourself a flavor of things. You might decide sooner. You might know the car you want to get. Now it's just a matter of, you know, funds and that sort of thing. I agree. And the other counterpoint here, or the other the thought on this is that what I don't want you to do is pine for a car for a couple of years while you save up for it and you finally drive it and you go, I don't like this very much. Right. I would rather you you experienced, if you're saving, I'm not going to buy a car for two years, but I want to buy something in the sports car range. Drive the stuff you're thinking about as soon as possible. First off, that might be bad for your budget. But the, the good thing <laughs> about it is you may realize, I thought I'd like this car and I just don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is helpful. So you're not again, you're not going to meet your hero later. And because and, the other problem that can happen, and this has happened, people have written to us on the show. They saved and saved and saved for this thing they thought was going to be awesome. They were sure it was going to be awesome. They never driven it, but they saved and saved and saved for it. And they went out and bought it, and they got it home. And a week later, they realized I don't really like this car that mm -hmm. much. Yeah. If they'd driven it six months prior before they could afford it, would they have been less biased? There's not the the money with burning a hole in your pocket. And I have. I'm right. only buying this car. Right. Certainly anyway. more informed. That's for sure. All right. Uh, last question for me here is another design question about colors going better. Geese one RBM. Do certain colors go better with certain car shapes or are they dependent on other factors? Hmm. Well, they're certainly dependent upon the color and trim folks. They are an entire department designers who are paid to decide upon textures and colors, exterior and interior, depending on the target market of that car. And you can always look at general markets for cars, Sometimes BMW still kind of does this. Porsche does too. The first year of a brand new car gets a, a special color. Mazda does it. You know, we've seen various yeah, you know, special editions, yeah. those kinds of things. Yeah. They're usually hot, limited edition kinds of colors. But yeah. for, you know, general marketing, 
there's very sophisticated colors that go mm. along with stuff. And the industry trends towards, you know, safer, sophisticated, you know, neutral colors because they just go with the environment, the landscape. Yeah. Unless you have something really hot and it's the the style of the car does dictate the color, certainly. Yeah. Generally cleaner surfaces work better. Honda S two thousands work great in just about any color. Yeah. Yeah, because it's very, clean, very simple. Yeah. Uninterrupted broad surfaces. Whereas yeah. very Broken up surfaces don't work, with the exception of two cars. Those are the Lamborghini Urus that look great in yellow and the Lexus LC500, which looks great in a screaming color. Yeah, I see that. I see that. And these are two cars, based on their luxury market, I could argue only stayed sophisticated grays and silvers for those. Yeah. yeah. But yet they look great. So it depends very much on style, but it it's the market too. It's a... Hey, I can finally afford a, a splashy SUV or a really great sports car, and mm. it just so happens to look great in that color. Uh, last question from me: Adam D on Twitter says, "If you do your own car maintenance, do you ever take it to a mechanic to make sure there aren't any issues?" Great question. Great question. I've sort of like a follow up. Yeah, I've I've done this two ways. I've done, uh, and I'm I am not look. I am no kind of master wrench by any means. I I know how to do a few things. Uh, and then the rest of it, I could probably just get myself in trouble. But the thing I will do is, and I have done in the past, is uh, do a lot of the internal maintenance. Or, or and then, but when you hit a major maintenance interval, that goes to the mechanic, mm, so that sure. they can do it right and check a lot of their stuff. I've also had cars where I've had for a year or so, and I'm not coming up on a major maintenance interval, but I'm just I want to make sure I haven't missed anything. You can take it and have them do a pre-purchase style inspection on your own car. Where they do the yeah. once over doesn't yeah. cost you very much. They're looking for anything that is out of the ordinary. You can spend a hundred bucks and just have them do a check. I've done that before as well. When you when you finish working on your car, you get it all buttoned up and you've got parts left over. That's a problem. Hmm. Yeah, you may want to, to call mechanic. your mechanic. Yeah, exactly. Guys, massive thanks for your questions. As always, we really appreciate it. We're definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>